Lamar Jackson's officially signed his contract. It is now signed, sealed, delivered. The contract saga is over. You can put it in the rearview mirror. Now we talk about if the Ravens deal with Lamar is a good deal for both sides. Getting into the contract details, those were released yesterday. Also diving into what Lamar Jackson had to say during his press conference with Eric Acosta and John Harbaugh. Getting into the draft, Rocky has seen in that signing and how the Ravens can continue to build around Lamar. All that and much more coming up next here on this Friday edition of Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us today, making us your first listen each and every day on the show. Free and available, as always, all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and also follow along in audio form and subscribe for free on both ways you can watch and listen. And here to talk with me today about what a crazy week it's been. <laughs> it's Kadri Ismael, former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver and Super Bowl champion. And Kyo, it's been a little while since we last spoke. And a little bit has changed, just just a tiny bit has changed with Lamar Jackson and uh, the draft and a couple signings here and there. So, look, it's an exciting time here. The, the Lamar Jackson saga officially in the rearview mirror here. I think that all kind of was finished up yesterday with the press conference and officially signing that deal. But I want to talk to you about the actual deal first. I mean... It's on draft night. You know, we're getting ready to gear up for the Ravens first round selection. And all of a sudden, Jameson Hensley tweets out the oh, good news coming for the Ravens. And everyone's like, what do you mean? Is that Lamar? Is that DeAndre Hopkins? Ends up being, we kind of see in real time, almost Lamar signing this deal, becoming official that he agrees to terms here. I mean, what, what was your initial reaction and kind of your emotions as you kind of saw this whole thing unfolding? Well, to be honest with you, I was driving down to Alabama um, to pick up my youngest from uh samford he was <laughs> getting ready to well he finished up his final everything was good and i'm like all right let me make the 11 hour trek on down and as i was doing it my, my phone started blowing up and next thing you know i'm looking like what lamar signed this is crazy well at least he agreed in principle he signed obviously on thursday uh at the under armor performance center but uh Wow, what an amazing kind of turn of events as far as us from the outside looking in that uh, Lamar and, and, and Eric DaCosta, they, they came to a resolution and it looked cool. Um, like things got done and off it went. So I am, I, to say I am extremely happy and, and, and just the way in which uh, the, this offseason has kind of unfolded into what we feel is heading into what looks like a promising season. For the first time, I think the Baltimore Ravens have won the Super Bowl of the offseason and dethroned the Cleveland Browns. Well, hopefully they can win the actual thing, too. I know that, that that's the real goal here. But I think, again, you're right. It's just a weight off of everyone's shoulders. Everybody can take a huge sigh of relief. 
in Q, we, we can retire the general hospital, you know, all the days of our lives. We, we can put it away because Lamar, he's, he's officially a Raven here for the next five years. And that's what it is. Five-year deal, $260 million with $185 million in practical guarantees. We got the full breakdown of the deal as he signed it because, you know, there was no agent to leak the deal because Lamar is the agent. 112.5 fully guaranteed at signing the cap hit for 2023 here gets reduced from that 32.4 million on the non-exclusive tag to $22 million in 2023. I kind of look at this queue, obviously the 52 average annual value beats out anyway. So he's the highest paid player in that regard, but it wasn't quite the Sean Watson's deal, which I know a lot of people that that was kind of, Oh, well, Lamar's aiming for the fully guaranteed or more guaranteed money than the Sean Watson. I look at this queue and I kind of say, I think it's a good deal for Lamar. I think it's a good deal for the Ravens. I think both sides made out here and did a good job in negotiations. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to negotiation means that you're not going to get everything you want. Um, if you're the Ravens, you're not going to get everything you, you want if you're Lamar Jackson and, and somewhere in there, you got to be able to have some give and take. I think what I felt all along was, you know, Deshaun Watson set the market and Kirk Cousins set the market before him as far as the, you know, contract being fully guaranteed. There is no, you know, if fans are buts, you're going to get your money. When it came to negotiations after Deshaun Watson, guys who had their resumes and their resumes didn't necessarily stack up to current day Lamar Jackson. I think that's where you saw, well, you know, that, well, you know, give and take started to kind of crack, if you will. And then you also heard, well, we heard from Lamar as far as having, um, you know, the, the, NFL PA be the, the uh, I guess, pushing forth. And even, you know, uh, DeMorris, DeMorris Smith, he actually um, said on a podcast where he wanted to have it where, you know, Lamar is the standard bearer now and has everything fully guaranteed. With all that said, I thought it was Jalen Hurts contract with the Eagles that was somewhat similar to money that was on the table for Lamar. But I thought that by having that parameter and his resume current day was very similar to Lamar. Um, then it just became a matter of, Hey, you know, is Lamar going to be one of those guys that are going to be so stubborn that they're not going to get it done or, you know, Eric DaCosta going to be a jerk and not be flexible enough and, and raise up some of the dollars. And I think they both kind of felt, you know what, we need to do what we need to do. And part of doing what we need to do is simply put, you know, allowing uh, Lamar to to be able to function um, a little bit above Jalen Hurts. Yet at the same time, also saying that he's the highest paid player in the NFL, obviously with the 52 million annually uh, that he's going to be receiving. So it's a lot of give and take. And I loved how it all came about. Yeah. And, you know, I always go back. I, I had engraven vids on the show maybe a month or so ago. And he said, it just felt like there was no middle ground. I know we've, we've had that conversation too, Q. So, you know, shout out to Engraven and, and Nitro too. Those two did a great job. They interviewed Lamar and, and a ton of great points in there. He said in that interview, the, the, 
an exclusive like solo interview that he kind of teased a couple months back and we're like where did that go apparently that's dropping soon so i'm excited to see that but i agree where it just didn't feel like there was a middle ground for so long and for so long and is it lamar wants a fully guaranteed deal or more than Deshaun and the ravens it wasn't just like a couple million dollars that's what it felt like but you never really knew because there was nothing being leaked out or generally nothing being leaked out from either side there but I think another really interesting part of this queue is the fact that Lamar and look credit to him. He did all this without an agent. I, I think maybe things could have gone a bit smoother if he had one, but I give him all the credit in the world. He didn't need one. And, and he made it clear with the deal that he got, it was a very good deal for him. And again, a good deal for the Ravens, but the fact that he got a no trade clause and a no tag clause in this deal are, are two very big elements for him, which look, it's, it's incredible. The fact that he was able to do this. I think people are not giving Lamar. I think some people are for sure, but I don't think he's getting enough credit for just the, the job that he did on this deal. And I think honestly, that's fine for both the Ravens and Lamar. Like it's honestly amazing for Lamar. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Ravens were willing to do that because they're so set on Lamar being their guy they're like, all right, fine. You know, we don't care if we don't if we don't get to trade you because we don't want to. You know, we don't we don't care if we don't get to tag you because we don't want to. But ultimately, if you're kind of weighing who's that a bigger win for, I'd say Lamar takes the cake with that one. Yeah, I mean, again, you as it's so been pointed out, you got to know the language, you got to know the parameters, you got to know, you know, how to sweeten up the deal. Obviously. You know, Eric's been doing this for such a long time, uh, but you do. You you have to know it on both sides. And I think for Lamar, um, he did have an agent in his mom. And and he was negotiating his own deal. <clears throat> she felt very strongly about it and steadfast about it. I absolutely take my hat off to both of them. Um, not saying who cares, but... Honestly, who cares if you didn't have an agent? And for them, they felt, you know what? It didn't matter what Eric said or didn't say. It, it was about business. It is not about hurt feelings or anything along those lines. Now, it is feelings and stressful moments, but I think feelings that go to the point where <clears throat> a bridge has been burned, I think that that's different. When it's feelings of like, yeah, you know, this is stressful. Boy, you know, I hope he comes up with a better number. Boy, I hope Lamar, you know, whatever. Uh, as he's watching his Celtics and he's fanboying over his Celtics and feeling like Lamar cheered him up after feeling like, hey, they feel that they can come to an agreement. You know, I think all of that uh, for both Lamar and for Eric DaCosta just speaks to the the level of, uh, goodwill, business smarts for Lamar, business uh, steadiness for Eric Costa, and here we are. And again, I don't think the fact that, look, I don't think he needed an agent at the end of the day. Obviously, he proved that he didn't need one with the deal that he got. But, you know, even if you say, well, you know, things could have gone smoother if you had an agent, if things went, I guess, smoother, would he have gotten the deal that he got? I don't, I think the answer might be no. I think if he might have, you know, maybe settled for something. And Lamar, we know he does not want to settle, both on the field, obviously, with his competitive nature, but also off of it. He's someone who I think wants to get paid what he's worth. And I will never take away from a player who wants to get paid what he's worth. You know, every player deserves to get paid that. Lamar, I think, and the Ravens are able to reach that middle ground. And Lamar did it with himself, with his team, with his mom, as you talked about. 
and I truly do give him all the credit in the world. And I respect a, a great deal of what he did in this process to be able to stay true to himself, as he talked about in the press conference he had yesterday. So coming up in our second segment, we'll, we'll talk about what Lamar had to say in the press conference about the negotiations and how it all came to fruition and his love for Baltimore. So be sure to stay tuned. A ton of dive into Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by... Built Bar, and if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever with Built. And if you're like me, you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you in Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy, and they taste amazing. What makes them so good is for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And I don't even need to wait to get a box. We've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, and now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. While you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com, that's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, right under grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors such as brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank you later. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens here on this Friday, rounding out the week here. Very exciting week, and honestly, a vic- probably a victory lap week for a lot of people who are covering, supporting this team in the Ravens. Kevin Ostrich is still here with Kazri Ismael. And Q, for what Lamar had to say during his press conference yesterday, it was obviously, I think, one of the more anticipated <laughs> press conferences in team history. Because, again, I think it put a bow on this whole situation for all that we talked about for all the trade scenarios and, you know, who, where is he going and what, what's the contract going to look like? We're finally done with it. <laughs> it feels really good to be honest with you, partially because again, he's the quarterback of the team for the next five years. But I think in the press conference queue, Lamar gave insight. He gave honest answers. You know, I think it was a very solid press conference by all three guys who were up there, Lamar, Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh. What do you listen to Lamar speak? And obviously the, the other two, what were your takeaways? Well, first of all, it was hilarious because you could see where Lamar is biting over uh, some people who gave great questions. <laughs> but I don't know if uh, ESPN's Jamison Hensley is going to be <laughs> going over to the to the, uh, to the to the house. You know, it's interesting to me the the way in which, from the intensity of things of John, of Eric, we really didn't, you know, obviously get much as far as um, Lamar, except for a couple of tweets, but the intensity of it all, how it shifted and when it shifted into more of, all right, you know what, football mode. And that football mode is about Todd Munkin and learning the offense and getting the guys together and uh, how is the team going to be looking and, Throwing for what did he say, six thousand yards or something like that? Um, you know, going up in that Drew Brees territory. Uh, it just to me looks like a a situation where um, it's about football now, and you know the the way in which Eric was able to answer some questions regarding the contract and you know the the behind the scenes of it all really was super cool. Um, obviously I think Lamar is like, yo, for Mother's Day, I know I'm good. <laughs> but it was hilarious how he and and uh John was like, you know, hey, you gotta get him some flowers. So I just think that that is something where you know the bigger picture is um is evident, you know. Uh 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I loved the fact that the energy was good. Um, but yes, you know, the, the fan in me, the pseudo, and I emphasize pseudo journalist because I am not, but the analyst in me was really kind of desiring to know how did it get to some of the tension points um, specifically when he is asking for a trade, but yet at the same time, it wasn't personal. Yet at the same time, he wasn't in his feelings. Yet at the same time, he was saying, I didn't want to go any other place and I just wanted to remain here. So it was all of that. And, and, and how strategic was that? Was it strategic on his part or was it strategic on both of their parts and they were just stringing us all along? I mean, like the theories and the sit back and figure it out, like we'll never know. You know, you know, a question I think you would have loved to be asked you is about that tweet he put out at the owners meetings. If they asked him, what was what was the what was the backstory behind that one? Did you mean it? But, you know, with, with the with these press conferences, I feel like, you know, you can almost call every one of them a liar's luncheon because, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, it's GM speaker, it's coach speaker, it's it's, you know, player speaker. And I'm not saying Lamar got up there and lied. I don't think he did that whatsoever. I think he was very genuine with his answers. But. For, for the questions that, you know, the nitty gritty of stuff, getting down to all those tension points. Yeah, it'd, it'd be awesome to kind of know how everything like on a timeline, month to month basis came along. But I think what I was almost relieved to see is kind of what you talked about at the beginning where, you know, you said, I don't know if James is going to make it over to the house because it just it seemed like the vibes were back to me where over the I don't know if you feel the same way, but over the course of the last year, even like during the season, it just felt like the vibes weren't there. It felt like Lamar wasn't having the fun that we had yeah. seen him had. Did you feel like that was the case? So I think part of it was, again, remember when, you know, Eric was like, you know, he ghosted me uh, and they hadn't had the conversations back and forth. And then you saw where um, Lamar addressed that. And part of what Lamar was saying was that he was going through his rehab process and working out and it just, you know, at times he needed it, it, that in and of itself was overwhelming. So he had to get through all of that to then, yes, go into a scenario where it is, okay, now I can get to the contract negotiations. With all that, my mind goes to a place of, okay, so where was it as far as his mom and him and the counter offers when it comes to him and Eric talking specifically and his mom was in the background. I'd love to, you know, get into the weeds on, you know, those nuances of it all because yeah, you know, it, it definitely is interesting how that entire vibe played out and, and now how currently it is kind of almost like, you know, back to normal if you will yeah you know i feel like we're gonna get like maybe very far down the line maybe after he retires all these players have podcasts maybe lamar starts a podcast or maybe he goes on a show and kind of does the tell-all of his deal. i doubt we get it in the next few years i feel like that's more of a like definitely down the line kind of thing well all, all that stuff is super interesting but you know you kind of feel like with lamar's answers at least what i feel 
is the fact that he did display like, you know, he loves Baltimore. He loves the Ravens. He loves the fan base. And I, again, I don't, I think he was being genuine and not just from what he said up there on the podium yesterday, but I think his actions over the course of his five plus years in Baltimore have shown that. I don't think he was just saying that for the, for the flashiness and to, you know, win the people over, he truly means that. And he truly believes it. And we kind of talked about the whole trade request thing. He when it happened, which was, we thought it was probably more of a business ploy than, than any, you know, I hate the Ravens and I don't want to be in Baltimore anymore. And that's, you know, I think, I feel like that's what was reflected, but I think it must've made a lot of people, I know it made me, me feel good, but I think it must've made a lot of people feel good that Lamar was so adamant about, you know, his loyalty to to this franchise, his loyalty to the city. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I think for Lamar uh, wanting to go from day one saying he wants to bring a, a championship to Baltimore, um, obviously, when you look at what you know his talents has 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 meant to yes, as Eric Acosta and 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 um, you know John Harbaugh has mentioned, it's like both uh, the city, the fan base, um, but the team, like you know the the Ravens as an organization. You know John pointed it out, like, hey man. <clears throat> Sometimes you just got to Lamar it. And that means that you got a special talent. I'm not trying to hold it back. You know what you see, and oftentimes you are spot on. Then we gotta, we just gotta flow from there. You know, and I and I think that vibe, that sense, that understanding, uh, it resonates across the board you know, to the players in the locker room and into the fan base. And I think, again, you know, what I've seen was just, you know, Lamar being Lamar. He's a he's a humble, confident uh, person who, very shrewd businessman who understands his, his power and his platform. And yet at the same time, he's going to make sure he gives love to his uh, – his entire fan base and, and, and let them know, man, I appreciate y'all. Yeah. We know Lamar's a big community guy. I mean, he called Baltimore his third home, talked about Florida, <laughs> talked about Louisville, you know, he, he, and he cares about those communities. It's not like, you know, he goes somewhere else and just forgets about everything, even in the trade request. Like, even though nothing happened with it, he said, you know, he's always going to love the Ravens fans, love the city of Baltimore. And he, he meant that when he put it out there, like, even if yeah. the trade request, I don't think was like, Oh, get me out of here. I still think that was a very genuine part of it. And it just feels, again, Lamar's a jokester. He's a funny guy. You know, he's like a very vibes guy. And I, I was happy to see him kind of up there joking with Eric Acosta, joking with John Harbaugh, joking with the reporters. And, and to me, it's a very good sign. So hopefully he's able to deliver on that Lombardi in Baltimore, hopefully sooner rather than later, hopefully multiple of them. And in the final segment, we'll talk a bit about what the Ravens have done to build their roster here over the course of the past couple of weeks with the draft, the Rocky Asin signing, and how they can continue that momentum all coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. We're back, rounding out Locked On Ravens Friday edition with Kaji Ismail. I am Kevin Ostriker. And Q, all this Lamar talk, I mean, again, it's, it's been Lamar, 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 Lamar. Let's move away from it. Let, you know, let's put a bow on it. Let's move away. Because the Ravens, you know, the, the Lamar stuff happened during the draft, like literally four hours before draft night was set to kick off. The Ravens had the 22nd pick. They took Zay Flowers with that selection, an explosive wide receiver. 
they have six total picks. Well, they started with five. They had six total at the end of the day. Yeah. Simpson, a linebacker. Day three, they took uh, Tavius Robinson, Caillou Blue Kelly, Salah out of Oregon. I'm still trying to get the name down. I promise I'm going to get it one of these days. But <laughs> Salah, Salah out of Oregon. And then Andrew Voorhees was the trade-in. How did you like what they did draft-wise? Woo! I thought, Eric, you know, once, I guess, the Lamar thing kind of happened, he, he, he and his dudes, like, you know, really just, boom, here's our board. Here's what we do. Let's go. Um, the way in which they were able to calculate and, and, and be shrewd about things, especially when Zay Flowers was going to fall right into their lap. Like, they didn't have to trade down, and technically he wouldn't have been there if they traded down. But they didn't, you know, need to, to feel like they got to force themselves to trade up either. Um, and so – Man, it was it was perfect. I loved uh, Trent, like his Trent and Samson, like that dude is hilarious. Like, who hangs up on your GM? And and the way he did it, like it was hilarious. But his swagger in his presser was was something that just I it, it just reminded me of like you know, uh, tweeted it out there. I was like, man, you know, um, he, he reminds me of a, a young Terrell Suggs, you know, just enthusiasm and just swagger abounds. Does he, you know, become a guy who is a lock for, uh, the ring of honor and, or the potential opportunity to, to play in, in, um, or be, I should say in the hollow halls of can, Remains to be seen, but I do know this, that, yeah, his tape and his swagger, they definitely match up. Um, I just I just think those two picks, you know, were, were so critical to kind of set the tone for what the Ravens really need to do uh, as far as trying to secure depth for a championship. Yeah, I, I liked what they did a lot. And Simpson, yeah, saying that, you know, he's ready to be one of the all-time Baltimore greats. I mean, he, he's ready. He, he's really ready. He had a second-round grade from a lot of people. I know, obviously, I, I'm not sure how many people thought the Ravens were going to take an inside linebacker, but they did it in the third round there. And then subsequently, Q, the Ravens declined that fifth-year option on Patrick Queen. Not necessarily a shock to many people based off of what Roquan got, the five-year hundred million. And I, honestly, just trading for Roquan, that was initially kind of, oh, what, what happens with Patrick Queen here? Were, were you shocked that was what happened with Queen? No, because you and I, we talked about it, you know, gosh golly, going way back to the New Orleans game when we just saw, you know, the way Patrick Queen was playing, but we also saw a high tide raises all ships, and Patrick Queen was part of the ships. He wasn't the high tide. Roquan Smith is the high tide. And this is, you know, how you do business. If if Patrick Queen was truly taking care of business, you would have never seen that trade happen to, for Roquan Smith. Um, I just think that, yeah, they needed a, a difference maker. He was that difference maker. I think at the same time, when it comes down to it, Patrick Queen came into his own and it was awesome. But there's no way you're going to pay two guys those significant dollars to eat up that amount of cap space at one position. And I still think the Ravens, at least my personal opinion, Q, is they should keep them this year, have them 
ball because we saw what the Smith and Queen duo did. They played really well oh, off yeah. of each other. If you can keep that for one season, Queen, I think, will help himself being motivated to get a huge contract. And then the Ravens got a third or fourth round comp pick anyway and still have that really solid player on a cheap rookie contract for one more season. Are, are you of that mindset or, w- or would you rather have him trade him? So you 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 read my mind. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, he's going to – just because you don't get your fifth-year option, I mean, Daniel Jones, I think he's like, I got $45 million and I'm not that good. <laughs> so I think when it comes down to it, uh, this is a, a deal and – this is an opportunity for uh, Patrick to show that he is legit and that he is deserving of big boy money. Um, I think that uh, there's something to be said about a motivated guy and and winning games and, and making plays. Yeah, for sure. 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you. And the Ravens, they continue to add to that defense. They signed Rocky Asin on Wednesday, one-year deal worth up to $6 million. So I, I'm sure it will figure out what the incentives of that deal are, whether it's the coming days, coming weeks. But yeah, seeing some player that I think was needed, their cornerback room outside of Marlon Humphrey was definitely questionable at best. I think Yassine gives you that experience. Now it's never played a full healthy season here over in his four years, but is a press man guy, definitely an outside corner physical, you know, Q, it feels like the Ravens just love those physical corners, like Marlon Humphrey, super physical guy, even Kyle Blue Kelly, who they picked in the fifth round as a super physical player. Yeah. Now Yassine has that wrestling background. So he's out there suplexing dudes on the field and flipping them on their heads. But was, was this a signing you thought was necessary? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, yes, the injury concerns me somewhat. Um, I do know that, He's feeling good. They're feeling good. Hopefully, you know, you got the F minus vibe out of the room and everything is kind of okay. Um, obviously, you know me and my my performance background as far as the why injuries occur. And, and a lot of it is just poor training, um, you know, of your nervous system. And it overrides your natural, beautiful, fluid movement. And it winds up, you know, with you getting a ton of injuries with all that said, I think for what rock brings to the table, you know, he could play. He's, he's a patient, um, deliberate type of a player. And when it comes down to it, like you said, he's physical. You know, I think, uh, Mike McDonald, he is sitting there like, Oh buddy, you know, I got me a young linebacker. I got, two stud veteran linebackers that know my system. And now I got a corner opposite my other stud corner. We're probably going to get more. We'll see what goes on with some of these young dudes and how they can, you know, shake off of some of the bad feelings of, of not having the best of rookie years or starts to their career. But, you know, right now, future looks good. You know, we, we hope that there's no, Major setbacks as far as injuries, but uh, to Ozzy's point, well quoted. You can never have enough corners. And, and let, let's let's continue to run with that one, Q, because I think people still want to see more there. So as you kind of look with the Lamar thing done, Rocky Essien brought in here, Odell signed, and everything. How would you continue? The Ravens got some obvious cap flexibility when Lamar signed his deal with that ten million dollars in savings. 
are you bringing in a Marcus Peters? Are you bringing in maybe a safety like an Adrian Amos who can maybe take over the Chuck Clark role? Is it, are you bringing back Justin Houston, Jason Pierre Paul? Is it a defensive line player to maybe mitigate the loss of Calais Campbell? Or are they done, in your opinion? What's kind of your next step or next steps for Baltimore here? Well, obviously, there are going to be some mini camps and there's going to be some evaluations and things along those lines going on. I think they can, you know, they could bring in another uh, edge rusher. Although, uh, what's the young man that they drafted? What is his last name? Tavius Robinson. Thank you. Robinson, like, I, I love his, like, uh, I, I, you know, his moxie, his, his, who is it? Max Crosby is his role model mm-hmm. that he patterns his game after. Yep. You know, is it? I'm going to light a fire under your butt, um, and uh, and and they're also bringing in, uh, dude. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? The pass rush uh, specialist now, D line coach, no, Chuck Smith. Thank you, Chuck Smith. So when it comes down to it, uh, Dafe Owe, yeah, you know we want more from you, and it kind of feels like Patrick Queenish. You know, where Patrick Queen was just, you know, he was in the right spots and it was just like hovering, but he never really like. And now you see Patrick Queen kind of like, you know, ascending. Um, Yeah. So with Robinson, I think that uh, there's some good things in, in the edge element of it all. I'd be curious to see that if they if they feel they want to run with a bunch of young dudes or if they want to bring back like a veteran, like you said, the likes of a Justin Houston where, you know, but Chuck Smith, I mean, he's, he's done it before and he's obviously coached it. So I think that's where you can kind of have a, a, a mindset, you know, to help things move along. Yeah. The, the queen comparison for OA, I think is a good one. I, I also sometimes I compare it to Tyus Bowser and the people who listen every day are probably sick and tired of me telling the story, but I'm going to do it again. Anyway, is if you remember Q Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams were both 2017 picks Tyus Bowser in the second round, Tim Williams in the third, both of them showed pretty much nothing in their first two years. And then the third year was the big one. Like, all right, we have to see something or else it's just, it's not going to work. And Tyus Bowser started to show, he started to flash, started to show some things. Tim Williams did not. And Tim Williams got cut within like two months of the year. Now are they going to cut it off AOA if he doesn't show anything? No, <laughs> they're, they're not going to do that. I don't I think that's pretty extreme, but it's like this third year. I'm not going to call it a make or break year for him, but it's really important. It's really, really important because if he continues on this, Oh, we need more from you. It's almost like, okay, what are you going to do about the fifth year option? <laughs> like, you get to that conversation point again. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it's a really important year for him, important year for this defense that I think showed a lot under Mike McDonald here in year one. But finally, Q, we can say Lamar's officially a Raven. He signed that deal. There's no, it, you know, what if he backs out at the last second? What if the language? No, he signed that thing. He's in Baltimore. And I'm relieved. Big sigh of relief from me. And I know, I know from you too, Q. But thank you for joining me again. Yeah on the show and, and you know any final thoughts here as we kind of put a ball in this Lamar situation well hallelujah he's done and in the books uh Odell Beckham is in the books you got uh Nelson Aguilar I think he's gonna make a terrific you know third fourth receiver he's in the books um now it's just a matter of staying healthy and playing uh this is this is this looks promising and my goodness like 
on to the next thing. On to the next thing will be minicamp and all the little things that we are hopefully going to be seeing from Todd Munkin's offense. Yeah, that, that's the exciting part. I think Todd Munkin and kind of the the potential of that offense is huge. So be sure to follow Kadri over on Twitter at I am Kadri Ismael and uh, find all of his work everywhere. You're on, you're on Facebook too and all that too, right, Q? Oh, yeah. Kadri Ismael on Facebook. Uh, I or Kadri Ismael 87 on Instagram. Um, and, and yes, my platform, you can go ahead and reach out to me on Twitter because man, these are the days of our lives. But at the same time, let's go ahead and can you feel a brand new day? That's what we talk about. And, and he, he, you missed out if you if you didn't follow him before. You missed all the the spam, the spamming of the get the brand new day. But now we have that. You know, you can retire it officially. Maybe you got to bring it out again again in five years. But that that's a conversation for five years from now. But I appreciate you as always. You thanks so much for for joining me here. And you can tune into Locked On Ravens five days a week here Monday through Friday. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Follow along in audio form as well. That's all I have for you here today. Let me get back here on Monday. More Ravens talk and more Lamar talk, of course. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here on Monday.